You're listening to Doctrine and Duty, podcast of Brian Ray, Senior Pastor of Alexander Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia, where biblical theology meets everyday Christian life. Howdy, folks. Welcome back to another episode, another edition of Doctrine and Duty. It's me, Brian Ray, back with you yet again. And we are in the throes of uh, working through some uh, great doctrine about church unity. And, uh, of course, uh, the podcast series is entitled Doctrine and Duty. So we're looking at the scripture to figure out the biblical uh, definition and uh, the biblical mandate, m- biblical description of, of unity, church unity. But also, as it is our duty, to how to maintain that that duty, uh, that uh, unity, and how to maintain um, unity not just within the church, but um, a proper balance and unity in your home, uh, in your marriage, and with your kids, your parents, your relationships. So, so yeah. Uh, last week we looked at Acts chapters uh, four and five, the end of chapter four through the beginning of chapter five. Uh, we learned the good, the bad, the ugly uh, about church unity. Uh, today, I want to spend a little bit of time in a couple other books of the Bible, in the New Testament specifically, and that is First and Second Corinthians, and then First Peter. Now, uh, the church at Corinth was a struggling church. Um, the church at Corinth would was kind of like a bell curve; it was just up and down, up and down, like a roller coaster. It would have those those spiritual highs and those moments where they did great, and Paul's encouraging them, and then the next thing you know, he's chastising them, rebuking them, disciplining them. Uh, because they got things so, so wrong. And um, Paul had to correct them and teach them, disciple, mentor, chastise. There are so many issues that are dealt with in First and Second Corinthians. But I do find it very cool and very providential of our great God that we find uh, a verse on unity at the beginning of First Corinthians and the end of Second Corinthians. So it's almost like unity... Uh, Unity provides the bookends, if you would, uh, for First and Second Corinthians. So in First Corinthians 1, verse 10, Paul writes, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. And then it goes on to say it's been reported to me. Uh, about some some quarreling and and, and some divisions. Uh, some people saying, "Well, I follow Paul. I follow Apollos. I follow Peter. I follow Christ." Um, just people trying to start mess. Have you ever noticed that? Um, just about the time uh, things are going good in the church, people start start mess. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Just about the time that you're like, "Man, this is great. Church is going great. Everything's wonderful. You know, praising the Lord." Gospel is proclaimed, the Bible is preached, doctrine is sound, people are loving each other, and then you got somebody that wants to cause a problem and start some mess. Well, obviously there were some mess starters in the church at Corinth, uh, so Paul says, I appeal to you. Uh, this is some strong terminology. Uh, Paul is calling them out, and he even invokes Jesus. He says, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, and so I appeal to you that you all agree and that there be no divisions, no divisions among you. So there were divisions, uh, there were disagreements, there were issues and problems, but Paul wants them to, to work beyond those. He says that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. You know, uh, as I mentioned last week, um, there are certainly things that, that we need to fight for, those primary doctrines, the, the primary doctrines of our faith. Uh, those are things that we don't, you know, um, 
just kind of lay down over. But those are things that we we stand up for. And and there can be some variation in some of the tertiary matters, but when it comes to the primary matters, we we have to agree on those things. And um, I, I think sometimes churches major on the minors and minor on the majors. In other words, we major on those things that are so inconsequential and insignificant to the kingdom of God. It's like, what are we doing? What are we thinking? But then, uh, just as we would major on the minors, we minor on the majors. Uh, and those two, by the way, it's almost like two sides of the same coin. If you're doing one, you're, you're probably doing the other, right? And uh, here Paul is saying, I want you to be united in the same mind, the same judgment. I, I want you to have the same mindset of Christ. I want you all to have that same mindset. So that when it comes to other matters, that you're in agreement about those things as well. Uh, now when we, when we move to the end of 2 Corinthians, as Paul is finishing up his... Um, dialogue with the church at Corinth, he says in um, 2 Corinthians 13, verse 11, Finally, brothers, rejoice. What a great way to end the book, right? With rejoicing. Aim for restoration. Comfort one another. Agree with one another. Live in peace, and the God of love and peace will be with you. So I shared with you last time, I believe that one of the things that is closely connected to unity in the Scripture is love. I mean, like over and over again, when you see unity, you see love. Love is a result of, can be visibly experienced and seen as a result of unity within the church. But I like what he says here. He says, finally, brothers, rejoice. Aim for restoration. You know, um, reconciliation and restoration, these are things that the, that the people of God should be about. I mean, we are a people who've been redeemed, we've been rescued, we've been restored, uh, we've been reconciled, and so we should aim for restoration with others as well. He says to comfort one another, and then he says agree with one another. There's that, that term of unity. And the second one is like it. He says live in peace. Uh, unity breeds peace. Unity breeds love. Uh, the the unconditional love of God and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding. Now, uh, those are the way cool bookends that we find in 1 Corinthians 1.10 and then 2 Corinthians 13.11. Um, I can't finish the book, so I can't stop without finishing the book. So in verse 12, he says, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the saints greet you. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. What a powerful way to end the book, right? With a a proclamation of the Holy Trinity and asking for God's grace, love, and fellowship from Son, Father, and Spirit be upon the people. But in verse 12, it says, greet one another with a holy kiss. <laughs> oh, my gracious. I think I think we have to stick to the holy the holy handshake in, in our culture, the holy hug, you know. Um, that's a different culture back then. And, and obviously you've seen some cultures in Europe and other places where there's the side of the face kiss and things like that. Um, but if you are listening to this podcast and you're in America, um, you can get hit for that. <laughs> you can go to jail for stuff like this. So you can you can really uh, rock someone's world, shake someone up. So uh, when it comes to the greeting with the holy kiss, that is certainly a cultural uh, issue, cultural more, a cult- cultural norm. So stay away from that unless that is your your culture. Don't try to force uh, this New Testament or uh, European culture upon the church in America today. It, it simply won't work. You know, get you into a boatload of trouble. Okay. Uh, the next text I want to just speak with you briefly about is First Peter three verse eight through twelve. It says, "Finally, all of you have unity of mind." Sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. 
unity of mind. Uh, I can't tell you uh, how often in in marriage and with parenting, family, not to mention just dealing with people in general at work or in in life situations or or in the church itself. But how many times we disagree with someone? Um, and so, does this passage mean you should never disagree with someone? Not at all. Uh, as a matter of fact, Scripture teaches us that we can disagree in an agreeable fashion. You know, that's kind of like sharing the truth in love. The truth, uh, we don't have to be mean about sharing the truth. And we also don't have to disagree with hatefulness or ugliness or meanness or unkind spirit, right? So it says have unity of mind. So so it must not mean that. So what does it mean when he says have unity of mind? It means to to have agreement over the, the things of God. Um, when it comes to the things that we pursue in our heads and our hearts, we should be in agreement over those things. In other words, we should all agree that our purpose is the glory of God. The, the reason we're on planet Earth is, is for the glory of God. Uh, we should all agree that we should give testimony of the gospel of Christ to lost people. We should all agree that the purpose of the church is to worship and, and to pray and fellowship and to teach the word of God and to share the gospel with the lost. And so a unity of mind encompasses so many things that, that we as the people of God should be united in our minds and our hearts and our spirits. And And I love when, he, when Peter goes on to talk about sympathy and brotherly love and a tender heart and a humble mind. You, you can't do that if you're disunited, if you're divided, if you're dysfunctional. Those things will not happen. If, if you're not united in mind, over whether it's theology or, or morals or character of being Christ-like or the fruit of the Spirit or the armor of God, I mean, if you're not united over those things, you're not going to have sympathy. You're not going to have brotherly love. Your heart's not going to be tender. You're going to be ticked off at the world your whole life. You're going to be mad. You're going to have a bad attitude. You're going to complain and whine and fuss and gossip and slander. You're not going to have a humble mind. In verse 9, he goes on to say, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. In verse 10, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and let his lips from and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Um, I, I just want to encourage you. Uh, this whole issue of unity, unity uh, within the church, unity within your family, unity within your home you know what it feels like. If you're a believer, you know when you're in a place that's united in purpose and in heart and mind, what a joy, what a delight it is. And just the practical is, is the peace that you have. It's this, it's just, just this settled feeling of a lack of worry or fear or being upset. It's just like, it's just a sweet spot to be in. And you know that in your home as well. You know what a great spot it is to be in when there's harmony and unity in your home and there's agreement over the, the most important things. And then as the people of God, we've, we've got to get to that point to where we're okay disagreeing with people. Uh, we're okay not liking the same songs. Uh, we're okay not having the same habits uh, or the same hobbies. But, but we don't have to get mad about it. Oh, praise the Lord for unity and diversity. Praise the Lord that we are not all feet, as Paul would say. Or we're not all hands. But there are many members of the body that make up the body of Christ, and we're so thankful for that. So um, 
today I want to close just by praying. I want to pray for unity for you and your home and unity uh, for those of us who are believers in our churches. Father, thank you for being an awesome God, a God of unity and a God of diversity. Uh, Father, I pray that the churches of Jesus Christ would be united in one hope, in one calling, in, in the gospel, in the glory of God. Father, that the main thing would be the main thing in churches. And Father, I pray for unity and agreement and harmony in homes, Lord. I pray that husbands and wives would, would be in agreement with how to parent their kids, uh, how to shepherd their kids' hearts. I pray that husbands and wives would be in agreement about the priority of the local church in ministering to them and also by which they might minister through. Father, I just pray that you would do a great work. And for those listening, uh, tuning in, God, just encourage. Encourage your people, Father, to be faithful. You're such an awesome God. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, folks, love you. I'm so glad you tuned in and look forward to, uh, to your tuning in next time. Take care. You've been listening to Doctrine and Duty, a podcast of Alexander Baptist Church located at 4316 Pamela Court, Chesapeake, Virginia. Join us Sundays at 10 a.m. and find us online at abch.org.